Welcome to episode 65 of the Half Point for Podcast. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and first-time internet haver, Johnny Fam. Johnny, how's it going in the brand new digs? New it's house. good. Uh, first time having Wi-Fi. It's, uh, it's pretty it's 20 surreal. days without Wi-Fi, I think, was our 20 count. 20 days. It was a long 20 days. Uh, got everything unpacked in the house. Still couldn't figure out like what to put on the walls yet. We have one section of the corner done, but I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've been in my place since early August, and I have a poster like right over here, still on the ground. Uh, like, y'all don't know what to do with it, so I just on put the it off. day bed. There's a hammer there to kind of tell me I need to put nails in the wall, but I I see there's a rock back there too, which is a little bit interesting. Yeah, it's a it's just a, a KU Jayhawk little welcome sign that I got from uh, from some friends uh, uh, from a potential co-host of the show. Oh, interesting! Yeah. Potential co-hosts. Yeah. We, uh, oh, we unfortunately we should have uh, we should have talked with Johnny's parents before buying said gift. Uh, not not too many people have used this for two welcome rocks, but I guess Johnny can make it work. Yeah, but you guys don't know which one's yours, so this could be my parents, and that you guys are outside, and then it's kind of vice versa. So, way to make us feel really special. You're welcome. Highly doubtful, but with Johnny not having internet two weeks ago and never getting his picks in, uh, he is DQ'd from said standings. I'm about ready to read off, or at least like uh, a not not finished, or like a little asterisk or something next to his name. Uh, but I'll, I'll give Johnny. Johnny was nine and three and an eight and four. That's nine and three straight up, eight and four against the spread. I'll take it. Uh, I was nine and four straight up, seven and six against the spread. Uh, man, I feel like Vegas really, really brought it home in the Super Bowl with the Bengals not winning, but but still covering, which was was a split for both Dalton and I. Dalton ten and three, nine and four. So Dalton is the postseason picks champion but what was the final score of the game 24 21 is that right yes or was it 20 24 20 24 20 whatever i I guess 27 to 20 and you guessed 24 to 13 so like one of your scores was dead on and the other one of mine was very close and my score was actually pretty close and at plus eight thousand, i was kind of raising the eyebrow a little bit there well i want to bring that up 20 because if it wasn't for a horrible missed OPI on T. Higgins to start the third <laughs> quarter, the Bengals lose 23-13, and I look really smart because I'm one off. So I what? was definitely in the range. Something else happened that the phantom hold on Cooper Cup on the touchdown that on that drive. If you remember, they were in the red zone and they called a offensive holding that gave the Rams a whole other four offensive possessions well but i so 27 20 is my guess i needed 23 20 i feel like there was something that hap, happened where the rams like should have scored a touchdown but but didn't maybe it was just stafford saying screw it and throwing the 50 yard pick that i'm thinking of uh not not totally sure but i feel like 27 to 20 was was well within my grasp too but cooper cup was my mvp pick so i nailed that one aaron donald at plus 1500 who some would say should have been the mvp also a good yes. pick by Dalton and other our part plus, our plus 230 any position bet was a was a freebie it feels like too yes the other part I just want to be frustrated about uh, that, no not the Gatorade actually is the fact that MVP voting ended at the two-minute warning and arguably the most important play of the game made by Aaron Donald to end the game in sacking Joe Burrow or almost sacking him 
didn't get included in the MVP. MVP Has there ever been co-MVP? There have been co-MVPs of the Super Bowl before, right? I believe. I don't actually know if there. If there was ever a year for co-MVP, I think this actually may have been the year because the Rams went all game, basically, or all second half once Odell went, went out without doing pretty much anything. And everyone and their mom knew, like, hey, they need to get Cooper Cup the ball. They're not getting Cooper Cup the ball. When they finally did get Cooper Cup the ball, they went right down, scored a touchdown. It was like, you know, Stafford made, number one, the great no-look pass. Great no-look pass. Don't get me wrong. But, like, that just felt like that's an MVP drive by Cup. And then, obviously, Donald, after the Bengals made just the oh-so-terrible mistake of uh, firing him up, uh, I think that was late first half, early second half, getting in his face when he – it wasn't even a late hit on Burrow either. Burrow was actually still in bounds when he shoved him. But got in his face. Donald pretty much wrecked the entire game after that. The, yeah. Uh, the only the same... time, sorry, the only time there have been co MVPs was Super Bowl twelve. Wow. Did not, okay. White. So I was thinking that like weirdly the Patriots had co MVPs like one of those like non Tom Brady years. So I definitely didn't have Super Bowl twelve in the old database when I was thinking of that. In the same number of pass attempts, Aaron Donald had the same number of pressures as the entire Bengals team. <laughs> so I'm just saying, guy definitely was up there and deserving it. I'm not trying to take anything away from Cooper Cup, but and the game would and, 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 and the game would have ended on on a sack if not uh, for Burrow just heaving the ball to the ground. Basically, what probably won Cooper Cup the MVP was he had the best run of the night for the Rams, like seven yards. <laughs> I was gonna say. Uh, Cooper Cup probably would have been more de- deserving of the MVP if Sean McVay wasn't calling plays and they just stopped running it. I it, mean, they it's, had it's funny that carries for 28 yards. It's funny that Cup wins the MVP, has two touchdowns, and was still under his yardage prop by like 10 yards, like eight yards, something like that. Still didn't hit us over because it got clear up to like 108 by the time I foolishly i will not foolishly sean Mc, sean mcveigh you're the fool i smartly bet the line and sean mcveigh kept me from it that, that yeah and i will say i think we were pretty right that the super bowl was going to be pretty it not memorable i i don't really think it was the greatest it, it, was, it was it was a good finish but overall like the third quarter was kind of drunk for like five minutes and then it was just like defensive stop defensive stop two sacks Incompletion, incompletion, one-yard run. Like, it was a lot of nothing for a while. Yeah, until the drive to score the touchdown to go ahead, the Rams had eight straight possessions that were three and outs. It, <laughs> I mean, it was not a good Super Bowl to watch. The play calling was really questionable. I think both these coaches um, are not offensive geniuses like they've been brought out to be. Based uh, on I, I, I still think you could probably say McVeigh is, but McVeigh – like Andy Reid, like a lot of great coaches, is, is stubborn. And, that, and, that, that's and, fair. and and that's probably what, what was happening there. Yeah. So just all around frustrating Super Bowl to watch for a lot of it, in my opinion. Uh, we you think get, you think Zach Taylor is gonna let Joe Mixon play more third downs next year? We will talk about or that at least later. or or at least the really important ones. Well, uh <laughs> Samaj P. Ryan is actually an amazing third down back. He didn't convert either of the third and ones, but it's clearly not his fault. Uh, it's clearly just the offensive line. And he's probably, I think he's a top 30 pick next year, Samaj P. Ryan. <laughs> if the Bengals win that game, Mixon, Mixon and, and Higgins are probably the, the top two uh, for MVP. Of course, on the other side, it was it was rough for, for Cam Akers. And if you're looking ahead to next year for Cam Akers, you're, you're trying to 
erase that one from your memory. But Dalton, we are actually here to look ahead to next year. We've got, as the title indicates, a way too early top 12 coming at you for 2022. How this will work is we'll start at 12. We'll go down the one. Hopefully that's okay with you, Dalton. I know that caused some, some heartburn before the show when I when I gave you that, that little tidbit. But I'm just worried that one of these players is going to be earlier on the list than you expected, and I'm going to yell that. <laughs> so we're on 12 to 1, and then we'll reconvene and talk about any guys that have been left off. I know we have one guy. Well, I have one guy that's left off. Apparently it was a late ad for you that I think would be on a lot of top 12s. Uh, but Dalton, do you want to kick us off or do you want me to start with my number 12? I'll start it off because I think we called our shot on this guy last offseason. And it's really coming around if you listen to the podcast that this is going to be his breakout year. Trey Sermon. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you about this top 12. <laughs> I got hammered last night and wrote it up. And Jeff Janis is number one. We'll skip to the end. Um, no, unfortunately not. It is the other running back in that class who forced the most missed tackles, though. It is Javante Williams. Yep, he's my 12 as well. There we go. So my fun stat for him, he had eight fewer missed tackles than Jonathan Taylor on 100 fewer carries. And he had the 15th most carries in the NFL, but still finished with 901 yards and second in broken tackles. Guys, absolutely phenomenal. I think one of the best predictors for success in the NFL is broken tackles and the, how you force them. He's great at it. Melvin Gordon should be gone. I don't really think it matters whose quarterback. Should be. Honestly, like, that's not 100% a given in my mind. But this rank is me assuming and more so hoping that that's the case. Yeah. And if he's gone, I mean, Javante Williams is poised to take over. He had some dazzling runs last season where he was three, four yards behind the line of scrimmage and fought for two yards. When he, just uh, absolutely amazing talent. I think next year well, he'll probably be a top the, five pick. And, and we saw in the Chiefs game, too, when when it was just him. There was no Melvin Gordon in Kansas City, and like he he was awesome in that game. And it's not that even that Melvin Gordon like, should have been playing. Gordon was great last year, actually, too. But Javante – you he's obviously still an ascending player because he's just going into a second year. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have a bad thing to say about him. I, I had to fight myself not to rank him higher here. And it's only because I don't know the backfield, how it's going to play out. And there's just a few question marks, but talent wise, he's probably going to be one of the best backs in the NFL next year. It's funny you say that because I actually, I was surprised that he was only, I say only, RB10 on fantasy pros like uh, ECR ranks right now. And I am assuming like they're going to have some, whether it's just Mike Boone, whether he's their, their second fiddle or whether it's a cheap guy they bring in, they're going to have someone else who gets carries. So it won't be only him. I don't think he's going to have like the Joe Mixon, like Dalvin cook, like uh, Derek Henry type of workload. But if he's clearly the main guy, I worry that his ranking is going to get a little bit too too high for my liking. So I actually was like a little bit more cautious in, in the way that I, I wanted to talk about him. But he finishes the RB17 last year, and that's like a true 50-50 split with Melvin Gordon in the games that they both played, which was I think Gordon only missed the one game, if I remember right. He was 15th in carries, which is right behind Eckler. So like he was still getting obviously a, a nice volume, but it wasn't like he was getting 
a ton, a ton, a ton of volume by any means. If Gordon is gone, like I obviously he's going to get more carries, but just not quite those top guys, I don't think. But here's where he can absolutely grow. Melvin Gordon had 20 attempts inside the 10 last year, four touchdowns in those 20 attempts. And then he had, I think that's like 11th in the league. Inside the five, he had 11 carries melvin gordon and javante was also 20 attempts inside the 10 and four touchdowns and then 10 attempts inside the five so like as long as gordon's not back i think javante is like the clear top guy as far as just carries at least for sure in the red zone so i think he's got room to grow just in that inside the 10 role and this obviously for both of us volume definitely helps but it's not just a volume argument like the guy is very very good you mentioned the missed tackles and that's that was his thing in college too like this guy has by far the most missed tackles forced uh of anybody i know we both like trey sermon and that is still a little tbd um from last year's draft but i think we both like javante more than Najee harris and i feel pretty validated in and that take at least right now i know Najee had the better counting stats last year but when you just i think well, if you ask get 400 total I think I think if you ask most just football analysts who the better running back is, I think they would say Javante. I think. And I think if they don't say Javante, this will be a season that they can eat their words. Mm-hmm. Um, if Denver, I don't think this is going to happen. And I don't want to speculate on this. If Denver lands Aaron Rodgers or another big quarterback name, mm-hmm. Javante Williams really has. I, I think his ADP could really get out of control and he can yep. start going in the top three of players, especially I think this year, unlike last year, and maybe we'll talk about this more. It, there's a lot of really shaky running back picks that you don't feel as confident about as you would like to uh, mm-hmm. in this top 12. And the, the last thing I want to say on Javante before we move on is like, I think he's awesome. I just don't quite think he's, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, like Alvin Kamara, uh, Derek Henry. Like, I, I don't think he's like that tier of guy just as far as the pure prospect. So even if they got that that quarterback, whether it's Rodgers, Russell Wilson, somebody we don't know about, like even if it was like Kirk Cousins who clearly elevates their offense over what it was last year, I don't think I would ever feel comfortable with top three, but I'm definitely like, I'm totally good with, with him at 12 and he has upward mobility more so than downward. Cause even if another, even if Gordon is back, like he's not going to be 12, but he's not going to drop too far. Yeah. And I just like him better than I like some of the other guys in this range. Like Dondre Swift is a very good running back. Who I actually think Dondre is, Swift, I think Swift is actually better than Javante. But his situation yes. is just, not great. Um, Saquon's a guy going around him. Don't like anything going on there. Um, Nick <laughs> Although Chubb. I do, I do like I do like all their coaching hires. Me too. Um, Nick Chubb. Love the player. Hate the fact that I have to watch Kareem Hunt share everything with him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Aaron Jones, big question marks there. They're just I just don't think any of those guys. Aaron Jones is probably still a better back than him in the NFL, but situationally, I have questions about how successful that offense is going to be post Rogers. And we'll see if it's post Rogers too. Yes. If it is post Rogers, okay. or if he's just doing another cleanse. Who's your, <laughs> who's your 11. Okay. So there is going to be a notable guy left off here. I'm just going to say it now. It's Alvin Kamara because of his legal situation. I used to wow. Wow. Um, 
but that's just because it's just like it's gonna a, take a minute to get the Camara on my on my list. Um, well, Camara, I can tell you he'd be three on my list if I had the choice. Um, and this guy would be moved off instead of Javante, but it's Najee Harris is my eleven, and I okay. wouldn't rank Najee in the top twelve if I had Camara on this list. I know that's weird that Javante is not eleven and Najee is. Um, that, this is just kind of like a little bit of respect for him because he's going to get three hundred touches, but for as bad as the Steelers' offense was last season, can it get worse? And yeah, the answer it, to that yes. <laughs> is yes, which is very you scary. You see the Mason Rudolph stuff floating yes. in the ether, just like I do uh, these, well, these last week week or so. And it seems like it's Mason Rudolph or Malik Willis seems to be the two popular options for the Steelers right now. Or Sam and, Howell. I feel like Sam Howell yeah. is a guy that, that we've seen too. But we've seen – we saw all this year that very talented quarterback prospects don't really come out and wow, wow the masses. And we've seen Mason Rudolph, who his record as a starter, I think, is like five, four, and one. But that was also when the Steelers had a legitimate defense. Oh, and, they still do, but yeah, and they still do. But that was not because Mason Rudolph was putting up awe-inspiring QB performances. There's a reason no. he's still a backup. Um, and then no, the, the thing he's done to help his team most is get Miles Garrett thrown out of the game, so they don't have to deal with him for yes. however much time was left in that game. And Najee Harris was outscored by Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor. Eckler missed a game and still outscored him, and, and Najee Harris had 52 more touches than Austin Eckler. The touchdown equity in Pittsburgh is very bad right now. I don't see... Well, when we remember the game, I think I wrote about it in the newsletter where Najee had 19 targets. And yeah. Like that, and that wasn't Najee. That was just Big Ben is broken. Yeah. So I want to make it clear. Najee is, will probably fall out of my rankings if AK is here. If AK does does face like a, a prolonged suspension or worse, he Najee will stay. Um, but out of every single pick, except for one other player, Najee Harris would be the one I would be the most upset about walking away from the first round with just to be mm -hmm. clear so my number 11 and i'm assuming this guy is in your top 12 probably higher i just didn't know what to do with him so this is kind of just a just a hat tip just like a like a hat tip to this guy that's derrick henry at 11 he's the rb 14 in just eight games last year averaged 23 points a game which is just I mean, that's our, he our outscored Javante Williams in eight yeah. games. Yeah, in eight games. And Javante didn't miss a game last year. Um, now, I bet if you looked at touches, it's actually probably not, not too dissimilar in the volume those two guys had last year. Uh, weeks one through eight, he was the RB1 by 42 points. And Taylor picked it up down the stretch, but also Henry was just insane compared to the rest of the league the first half of the season. We've talked about it ad nauseum. The injury stuff does worry me the workload worries me but at this point i'm just gonna have to keep ranking him relatively high until either the wheels literally fall off or i see him stop producing and and he obviously had the injury last season so maybe like that's the start of something but he came back and like still played and played okay in, in their playoff game when he was probably really out of shape and just not not really ready for 25 carries like he got so well, I have Henry 11. Just I don't know what else to do with them, so I just feel like I have to put them in the top 12. Yeah, and I have them two spots or one spot higher at nine. Uh, and my concerns are the same. I, I It's just very hard. I don't want to evaluate him off one game, but Deontay Foreman had more yards on four carries. Granted, Foreman had a big hole and hit a long run, but Henry had 
60 odd yards in a playoff game against the 15th ranked rush defense in the NFL. Yeah, um, but you know, he a couple years ago against the Chiefs, he had like 60 something yards on like 20, 24, yeah. 20 carries or whatever. So like Henry, even when he's rolling, will have games like that where he just because that's always been my issue with Henry as a player. It's like if he doesn't get ahead of steam, he's not going to create. He's not like Javante where he's going to create five, six yards out of nothing. Because yeah. if you can actually get to him before he gets going, he's not that hard to tackle. Uh, shout out Frank Clark. But if you do let him get going, then good night. Well, and my concern, it, I don't think anybody's ranking A.J. Brown in the top 12 this year either. No. And my concern is that the wheels, I just really think the wheels are going to fall off with the Titans. They had the 32nd or the 31st, sorry, the Dolphins were worse. The 31st ranked offensive line in the NFL. Yeah, the Dolphins offensive line is just like on any graph. It's like a little skull yeah, emoji because it was so bad. It's just parallel with the X-axis these days. <laughs> um, but it's such a funnel offense between Henry and A.J. Brown because Julio, I don't think Julio is ever going to be his former self or play a full slate that – there is a huge concern with them getting shut down. And the moment Henry loses a step or they don't give him 26 touches a game, then, I mean, it's just over for his fantasy production. We know he doesn't catch balls. And we know that even with Arthur Smith gone, Hilliard and other backs were getting those, those reception opportunities. And Tannehill looked less than inspiring this season. And if it gets worse for him, I mean, that offense really loses – everything it needs mm -hmm. so i have him at nine and just like you it's just a tip of my hat like the guy is an animal probably one of the best running backs we've seen in the nfl but it's just uh, you know things come due and that guy has a lot of miles on him mm -hmm. yep okay at number 10 for me and i guess first i i do want to say if you're trying to like keep track of of these guys we'll put them in the show notes uh uh, of this podcast so don't worry about having to keep track we'll read them off at the end but we'll put them in the show notes too i'll add them to the video description on youtube after we wrap up uh the live show here but at 10 for me and this is another one where this is kind of a placeholder for right now i think it's Devonte adams at at number 10 um i i don't know where he's gonna go is he back in rebate with rogers is he somewhere else with a good quarterback like he's got mobility either way obviously like if he goes somewhere great i'm moving him up a little bit probably or if he's back with green bay i'm moving him up too and if he ends up in not a great situation then i'm i'm moving him down but i i just don't think with the amount of money it's going to cost to get him why would i don't understand why i mean i don't understand why the giants paid kenny galladay i guess but i don't see too many terrible quarterback teams deciding hey let's go pay this receiver 80 million dollars 90 million dollars when we have a terrible quarterback and aren't going to be able to maximize them that's my hope at least but he's just as good and as consistent as it gets at wide receiver in fantasy football for the last three four years and kind of like derrick henry it's a little bit of a tip of the cap to adams but also just a, a placeholder because i think unless he goes somewhere truly bad he's probably still got to be in the top 12 overall yeah so I mean, we're probably just going to have to jump around here because our, I think our rankings are different a bit. But okay. I have him as wide receiver one and fourth overall. Wow. Uh, and it's really just a nod to the fact that he's – I mean, he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. When I – so when I initially ranked this, what I was reading gave me a lot of he's going back to Green Bay vibes. And today I looked at Green Bay. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to figure out what kind of vibes are happening yeah. around Green well, Bay or Aaron Rodgers right now. <laughs> me neither, but – 
the thing was, when I, I thought he was going to Green Bay, I was like, well, that's probably enough for me to keep him up here because at wide receiver one, if Rodgers and him come back, it's an immediate home run hit. Uh, with Green Bay having $62 million they need to make up in cap space to franchise tag Devontae Adams. I, I think, think that's actually gone game. down since the last time you saw because I think they restructured uh, one of their – I think Kenny Clark – I think they restructured okay. him, so I think they saved some money there. So they're they're gonna obviously do a lot of that stuff, and we'll see what the actual number. Ends but there's up being. a bit, but, but there's the a lot stands, of money yes. they have to to take care of. Um, but I just wherever he ends up, he's the, immediately the wide receiver one in house. I know the Raiders and him and Derek Carr have had stuff. Even if he were to end up there, I'd probably still keep him at wide receiver one. I there are situations where you'd have, a, you'd have a Derek Carr wide receiver is the number one receiver in fantasy football. You know what? He likes to feed Darren Waller, and I think Adams is better than Waller. Give me oh, those yeah, 15 targets a game. Um, but at the end of the day, I this is a nod. It's off season. He gets my respect. He's the best in the league. And I think that there more more often than not, where he ends up probably won't hurt his situation that much. So I'm just giving him the number one. He's my fourth guy. That's actually, you know, that's that's one spot higher than I have any wide receiver. Uh, wow, this and, I, and I and I also have multiple receivers. Obviously, um, he is my wide receiver four in in my ranks. Okay, so, who's your ten? My ten uh, is Jamar Chase. Okay, so, he's my nine, so we can go talk about him here. Okay, good. So with Jamar, um, he had a stellar season. Obviously, the best rookie campaign after Justin Jefferson, and. I think there are people ranking him all the way up to wide receiver two when I was looking at pre-draft rankings. And I just don't know if that's there yet. Part of my issue is I don't know how much I really think the Bengals are going to be this offensive juggernaut to justify three guys in the top 15 right now. Well, they weren't really an offensive juggernaut last year, but yeah, those guys still like if T Higgins doesn't get hurt for multiple weeks, like, his, yeah, his season end finish would have been perfectly fine, like with with where you're gonna have to draft him this year, probably. And Higgins, I don't have the number in front of me, but I was looking um at it the other day. I think like the last half of the season after he came back, I think it was like Chase was wide receiver six, Higgins was wide receiver seven. Like they were both like top eight receivers, and then Mixon's obviously top five running back at almost any point of the season you look. So they did it last year, even without being uh, an offensive juggernaut. Those guys all had like different blow up games that kind of helped them uh, accomplish that. Yeah, my worry, and this is probably something I'll get into more in the offseason. I trust T. Higgins to produce more than I trust Jamar Chase. Um, Chase, maybe more consistently. I trust Chase more overall to be better. Yes, but Chase also had 80 of his points in two games, which. Uh, you don't punish a guy for scoring a ton of points like nope. that. I, I I don't. I if I'm the chase owner, I am perfectly fine with 80 points in two weeks. But that, that that's why he's down here at 10 for me. Is I feel like the guys above him can produce a little more consistently. And my other concern is he got a lot of single coverage last season. I, I think it was like 58 percent of his snaps were single coverage. I don't think he gets that anymore, and that just changes the game a little bit. Uh, like a guy we'll talk about later, Tyreek Hill got a lot of bracket coverage this year to change the way he played the game. And he still was an amazing fantasy asset. And if Jamar chase, you know, doesn't only get these broken bombs or 
absolutely wall up a secondary that has Daniel Sorensen covering him and does a third and 27 blitz <laughs> or wall up the Baltimore Ravens when they're already up two scores, then, you know, he's going to get a little more higher in my rankings. But uh, I think this is a good spot for him. He's the wide receiver four for me. And I think that's, or five for me. And I think that's a, a fair assessment. He He's three for me. And if I'm picking this, uh, the downside for him is that T Higgins being a little healthier, obviously it exists. And if he is like Higgins plus Mixon, it helps him be more efficient, but also like just takes away a little bit from, from chase perhaps, but you do have the other side, which is if the offensive line is any better this year, like you would think theoretically more deep passes could be executed between he and Joe Burrow. I can tell you that they would probably have a Super Bowl title and uh, chase have about 50 more yards in the Super Bowl MVP, perhaps if the offensive line was just a little bit better on one play in that game. Is that you saying they should have drafted Penesa well? No, it's hearing. not. It is not. Okay, number eight. I think we're both at eight, right? Or was yeah, because nine was Derrick Henry for me. Okay, so my number eight is Nick Chubb, and this is another one with a ton of of volatility. Who's their quarterback next season? Is it Baker Mayfield again? Is Derek Carr heading to Cleveland? Which, by the way, Derek Carr could be going to Pittsburgh too. That's another one that that makes sense to me. Um, or do they actually go out and get? A big fish or are they like starting a rookie or are they starting baker with the intent to work in a rookie either later this year or next year like i i they just have so many different paths they can go at quarterback and also it's kareem hunt on the team i don't think it's like a hundred percent a given that hunt is on the team if he is on the team he counts at 6.2 million dollars against the cap he has no dead cap hit if he's cut out right so like they could actually cut or trade Kareem Hunt. I mean, they they traded they they you could you assume they would trade Odell, but they didn't. They cut him, so never assume, I guess. But uh, his his contract doesn't make it a done deal that he's on the Browns next season. But he probably will be. They have one more year of Chubb, at a five million dollar cap hit before he goes up to like fourteen and sixteen the next two, and so like that along with Hunt's contract kind of sets it up to where they're paying the same amount for the running backs this year and next year. But next year, it's just Chubb, no Hunt. And this year, it's both those guys. So either one would make sense to me. And I mentioned this in our group chat earlier today. A funny thing about Chubb's contract, if you look at him uh, compared to like Zeke, is there's no dead cap to the Browns if he's cut in 2023 or 2024. Compared to Zeke, who is $30, and $6 million in dead cap the next three years, got a six-year, $90 million deal compared to three for 36 for Nick Chubb, which is which is which is interesting. But like to me, if Kareem Hunt were somehow not there, Chubb is like a top three running back. Since I still think Hunt is probably there, he's down like in the bottom half of the top 12. And then he has the volatility of who's their quarterback next season. If it's Baker, I think this rank is probably about right or someone like of that caliber. If it's like, if they somehow got Russell Wilson or somebody pretty good, then he'd move up even a little bit more too. That's spicy. I, I don't have Nick Chubb, my top 12. Now um, I think that, I think that is spicy. I mean, his underdog ADP is RB 11 right now has him going overall. as a 23rd player. Well, it was um, the RB 11 and 14 games last year. I know, but I just – the same concerns exist for me. I, last season, 
I think, and I don't have all the stats from you. I honestly do not expect to have a Nick Chubb conversation here. I love the player. Um, very frustrating usage of the player, which just leads to like these spiked outcomes. I'm just looking at his snap percent now. Until post by, and I'm not sure if Cream Hunt was healthy these games. I don't think he was. He didn't get a single game over a 60% snap share. He did get 22 carries in two over 20 carries in four of the games. So he definitely was still getting the work, but it's just, I don't like taking players who need to have a hyper efficient edge. And he's definitely a player who can do it. Yeah. Um, see the, di- like the difference between Chubb and like a guy in the second or third round that we talk about in the same way is Chubb is like one of the best three running backs in the NFL. So I just give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to outproduce what his volume would indicate that he should. Absolutely, but it's just way harder to come by. I'm assuming you don't have Najee Harris in the top 12. No, I don't have Najee Harris okay. in the top 12. So, um, I am no Najee Harris fan, but I think I have to put Najee Harris above Chubb in my rankings after my – I did not expect to have this argument here, just a heads up. Uh, in my rankings, just be, just on a – I think Najee Harris could get like 100 more touches than Nick Chubb. I mean, there's an outcome where that's highly probable. He could, um, and he averaged like he probably got that last year. It only he only averaged one more point per game. I'm looking at right now, 0.8 points more per game than Nick Chubb. And like, I, even in the 14 games Chubb was healthy, like I don't think anyone would say last year was like a great year for Chubb. Like he was good, but he wasn't like. Let me look at 2020, and because you know his usage wasn't really any different um, last year to this year. He averaged 16.6 points per game in 12 games. He was the RB nine in 12 games with the same usage the year before. So like, I just think Chubb is super good. I'm counting on a little bit of a bounce back season for him, even though he was already really good last year. Yeah. But even RB nine, two years ago, I mean, he had a good year then. That's in 12 games. That's in 12. Oh, games. I did not know that. Um, I he, just, he sprained his MCL missed a month last year and was still a top 10 running back. I just don't, I just really, so you have him as your RB four or five. Uh, well, I think I have fewer receivers than you. Let me look. He one running back. Two, three. He's my RB five right now. Yeah, that is wild. Um, I will. I, will <laughs> I really don't think it is. I really don't think it's wild. I will say, out of everything I've looked, I did not see him that high at all. Anyway. But like I said, I think there's a ton of volatility here. Like, who's their quarterback next season? Is Kareem Hunt actually on the team? Like, I, I think, I think I partially put him here because I, I think it'd be a bad look for my rankings if. On June one, not a bad look, but like I'd feel dumb. Like if Hunt weren't on the team, or if they upgrade a quarterback, it's like, yeah, I should have just had Chubb a little in my ranks, just because I should have been hedging for that possibility. And that, that's kind of what I'm doing now. Even if it is Baker at quarterback, I still think Chubb is like my number ten or eleven overall player. I mean, I just don't think he's worthy of a top twelve pick. There just needs to be. You're, you're just really running a razor thin margin and hoping that, that he continues that. That's position. fine. Chubb has been running that razor thin margin just fine. It's, I mean, even I'd have, I'd have to actually look at points per game um, from this last year. Let's see. What? I, don't, I don't know. Wait, wait, he was 10th. Yeah. But so like, if you take he, out CMC, I guess he was ninth. Yeah. You should take out CMC. So, I don't know. I, I I just think he's he's super good, and even with less than ideal usage, like it's Nick Chubb. Um, how many touchdowns did he have last year? Doesn't feel like very many. 
he had nine. Like Nick Chubb could easily have that same usage, but have 15 touchdowns in a given season. Not that that's what I'm projecting, but like nine feels a little bit low for Nick Chubb. I don't know. That's something we'll have to jump into this offseason. Uh, and I'm going to have to look at Nick Chubb a little closer because right now I don't like that ranking. He'd probably be like the 16th pick for me if I was just doing this uh, off the top of my head, to be honest. Well, I, think- I, I can tell you that there's one guy that I know you're going to name that's not even in my top 12 either. So we just have some differing. Uh, yeah, and it's a wide receiver, and I'm really curious which one it is. Di- dif- differing opinions coming up here. So that that was my eight. You haven't, have you given your eight yet? No. Um, okay, give your eight. I mean, and I think it's what I think it's a player on this team, and they're eight and seven. So number eight for me is Justin Jefferson. Okay, I have Jefferson you, higher than that. Okay, but you six. have him ranked. I have him at six. Okay, I was about ready. I really to wanted to put him. I really wanted to make Jefferson my number one receiver. I think he's actually the best receiver in the NFL. So that's a strong point, and I will say one through four for me are pretty interchangeable when it comes to receiver. There is a guy on here, and I think maybe it's who you left off, that I just don't really want to rank this high, but I had to. Um, (laughs) But Justin Jefferson, at first in the offseason, I thought there was potential Kirk Cousin leaves. I don't think that's happening at all. And it looks like the coaching staff being brought in in Minnesota is like more pass happy than the previous regime, which would be very good for him. And well, it's just Jefferson has 3,000 receiving yards in two seasons. Well, yeah, and I mean, there's no real way to like split it to make him look like he's not good. He had one game where he wasn't double digits last year, Mm -hmm. and I'm not calling for like a Thielen decline because I don't that's one of those things we're going to wait till we see it. But what I will say is if there's any sort of like manageable decline in Thielen, Jefferson's the clear guy to benefit from it, and if this pa- if this offense becomes more pass heavy last year they were a, a 50 or sorry a 64 to 36 pass run split which ranked like 26 in the NFL and if they just pass more there's so many more points to be had here Justin Jefferson is a dog he's- I think he's the safest pick in the entire top 12 because any running back I have higher injury concerns with so I'm just like, like I don't think I'd ever call any running back the safest pick in the top twelve after what ha- what's happened with Christian McCaffrey the last couple of years. Like he's been the safest pick for the last two years, and injuries just happen more. Injuries happen to everybody, but injuries just happen more often to running backs. I would say the only person I would put over him as safe pick is probably Tyree Kill, and that's just because he's linked with a better offense, but very close. Mm-hmm. So I, I I agree with a lot of what you said. I don't I don't I don't have to add too much. I will say like where he has even more upside, and we talked about it even before last season, and Thielen did the touchdown thing again when he was healthy, was touchdowns. He had 17, he has 17 touchdowns in two seasons. That's one more touchdown than Cooper Cup had all of last year. Uh so like that's insane from Cup, number one. And, and number two, like Jefferson could easily have a touchdown explosion season and that could that could drastically change his outlook from a top 12-ish player to a Cooper Cup kind of season because the yards like we've seen two seasons 1400 and 1600 like the yards feel like they're absolutely going to be there and like I said I I really want to call him the best receiver in the NFL it's so hard but Cooper Cup just had like the all-time season for a wide receiver from a raw production standpoint 
to, to say yeah. that, so I won't. But it, like, just just know, just know, deep down in my heart, I'm close to going there. Well, and the last thing I'll say is if he came out of the gate and got Jamar Chase's usage, because remember his rookie season's four games, he barely saw the field. Yeah, he probably still has the rookie receiving record in one fewer game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Vikings don't really run it up through the air like uh, a certain Bengals team did against a certain defenseless Baltimore Ravens secondary. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to say here. I would say he's probably one of my favorite picks mm-hmm. out of the draft and probably one of the better upside picks. So I do agree with you, especially with him being the, the second or first safest pick in the in the draft, which mm-hmm. means he's going to get injured knowing our love. <laughs> so I think I should give my seven now. Um, which Who's is your uh, my eight was Nick Chubb. Okay, yeah. Which I got lambasted for. My number, my number seven, Alvin Kamara. And I know you don't have him. This is pretty much a placeholder rank for me. Like, there's just so much we don't know about Kamara. We don't know if he's going to be suspended. If he is, how many games? Like, could it be anywhere from zero to six? Yeah, it could easily be anywhere from from zero to six. I think is probably like the the most out the most likely range of outcomes there. We don't know. We we know who his coach is, but we don't know his coach. We don't know what kind of offense they're going to have. We don't know who their quarterback is going to be, and we won't know how the coach is going to be until the season starts. So, like, there's just so many unknowns with the Saints. I do think that Michael Thomas coming back should help Kamara a little bit. We saw last year what a bad offense and bad quarterback play did to him. 47 receptions, that's a career low by 34 receptions. He's been over 80 every other year in the NFL. I know he missed a few games, but he played 13 games in 2018 and was still at 81 receptions too. So like, even if he missed a few games and had it down near, like you would expect Kamara to be probably in the sixties for receptions, not 47. So that was, that, that was an obvious nightmare. We were talking about it as it was happening last year. He was also the least efficient he's ever been as a rusher. It was a career low four touchdowns. And it's actually funny. I, I mentioned this to you too, Dalton. If you're a believer in trends, He's in for a big bounce back year with touchdowns. Eight, 14, five, 16, and four are his touchdown are his rushing touchdown totals. So he, he's in for like a double digit, uh double digit season here if you're you're a patterns guy. Um, I would be if there was any consistency right now in New Orleans. <laughs> uh let me first say we do have a little bit of an idea of what his head coach looks like, and it was with the Raiders where he went four and twelve, four and twelve, oh and four, then fired. Uh, over three seasons. I really don't like the Dennis Allen hire. I think they're trying to keep consistent over the course with the loss of Sean Payton. Uh, and they do lose probably like the a top five left tackle in the NFL, Tron Armstead. It does not look like they can afford to keep him, mm-hmm. which is another concern. Um, they are bringing back Jameis, it sounds like, and that would be a positive over any other quarterback play. If I were to have Kamara ranked, I would probably have him at seven and move the guy I'm going to talk about next above him. So he would uh, above the guy I'm about to talk about next, but I am very like, there's a heavy out of every player in the top 12. I think he's probably the heaviest bet on outperforming a very ugly situation. There. Yeah. Yeah. And I would be very worried about a pick with him, but obviously if this, if Dennis Allen, whoever he brings in as an offensive coordinator, can get it going and utilize him effectively. 
he's the best or the second best receiving back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I love the guy, but with the pending legal stuff, I didn't choose to rank him. I would say even with that legal stuff, if he's in your draft and you're at like pick 10, 11, or 12, it's probably worth the shot in the dark to get him at the turn if you're drafting this. If you're, if you're a, a real sicko during yeah, best if you're ball in right now, sure. Well, best um, ball has him at RB9 right now, if you're curious, right above Joe Mixon. And that's, that's way too low on Joe Mixon, in my opinion, as we'll, as we'll get to, I'm sure. All right, so yeah, I, I think it's just kind of a placeholder. I think he's probably going to either either end up higher than this or lower than this in my final ranks, but he's at seven for now. So who, who's your number seven? My number seven is Dalvin Cook. Okay, so I have Dalvin Cook at number three. I do not feel confident about Dalvin Cook anymore. He had a great season, as per usual. I, I don't know how else to explain this other than I've never really thought that Dalvin Cook would keep – he's so good. But he just feels – Yeah, you said that today, and I don't really understand. Like, he he was RB15 last year in 12 games, and he was playing through an ankle injury that was clearly hampering him. Absolutely amazing player. So I don't understand what you're hanging on. Like it feels like every season he's hanging on by a thread. And like, I feel like his injuries continue to pile up over the last two years. I mean, doesn't every running back like have just like the the bumps and bruises every week that they're dealing they with? That do, but I just really feel like with Dalvin, every week he's on the injury report. And you know what I think? I I think he's just one of those guys that he blew out his ACL at the very beginning of his career, and I just think that he doesn't have the the label as injury prone. But I think you're more likely to be scared when a guy like that gets hurt just because he's already had one catastrophic injury in his career. Yeah. Um, and I don't have any major concerns for him here. It's just he's a little more up there in age, so I docked him a bit. I mean, he's the he's my RB4, so there's just three wide receivers in front of him who I think are sure bets. Um, but, I mean, th- that's really all I have to say. The Vikings offensive line is probably losing Garrett Bradbury, which is a really good center. Uh, but he's going to be a starter. He's going to ball out. The new offense might dial back his carries, but I think they're going to be way more efficient and have longer drives. So it's not really going to be a net negative to him to lose Zimmer, who really harped on running the ball. Dalvin Cook can catch the ball. I mm-hmm. I like Madison, but I don't think Madison's really in line to threaten any of his work. No. I just I have him here because I just think everybody above him, except for one guy who's been injured a lot, uh, is a way more sure bet. Just to perform for your team. Yeah, I, I just think Cook is still one of the best five running backs in football. I've got he's him. He's there. Number- he, I mean, he's four for me, so he's he is best five running backs. I've I've got him at number three overall and, and RB three as well. I just think he he's just still such a monster. Showed no signs of slowing down last year, even with the ankle injury, it was like still just unbelievable last year when he played, and especially when he played and was like actually healthy. Dalvin Cook, he, he's RB3 on Fantasy Pros right now, number three overall. So Right now his best ball ADP is RB6. Actually, RB4, sorry. Austin Eckler's RB3 in half point. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was your seven, right? Yes, sir. I've already said my six is Justin Jefferson. Uh, so have you said your six yet? I have not. Okay. Who's your six? Uh, my six is Cheetah, Tyreek Hill. Um, <laughs> so Tyreek Hill's not in my top 12. That is insane. Uh, I want to know why you hate the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, here's the thing. If the Chiefs don't do anything, 
at receiver this offseason or like do very little, I'll probably move him up. But it, it's like really re- like one through five, one through six is just so close at receiver. It was like really, it was really, really hard for me to do these receiver ranks, even to order the guys that are in the top 12. Like, you know, Tyreek finished his wide receiver six last year and played all but one game. So, like, it it's not like a, he's not like a slam dunk. He plays every game. He's top three every year, no matter what. Like, he had a little bit of a down year uh, last year. I guess we'll see how the Chiefs adjust. He basically turned in like Michael Thomas last year because he had to, because of how defenses were playing them. If they bring in another receiver, like, does that help his role? Probably. Does that hurt his volume and maybe his fantasy production? It's just hard to say. There's a lot. I just, there's a lot of unknown with. I can't see how you rank AK, but won't rank Tyreek when the unknowns with Kamara are probably more jarring than they are with Hill. Yeah, but his, his are like more straightforward. Like, if he is suspended, I move him down. If he's well, j- not jail suspended, is pretty not up. straightforward. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could talk to me if Alvin Kamara is serving jail time uh, about on, on this one, buddy. Um, I mean, I, you kicked I, the dude in the face on video. Okay, I don't think you. I I know you. I know you know how these things work. That's all. I, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> well, okay, okay, that's fair. But I I think that is absurd. So you have. Jamar Chase above Tyreek Hill. What what would you rank Tyreek Hill in the wide receivers? I think I have him like at five or six. I think it's like six, which is where he finished last year, by the way. I just don't get it. I mean, but I, I literally like I think I have him like thir- I'd have him like 13 overall. I'd have him like one spot outside of the top 12. I mean, I obviously the Chiefs offense had struggles the first like six games of the season. And it's not even like an offensive concern for me, but it's just like I don't like, is there another like is there? Do they bring in a, a Juju? Do they swing and somehow bring in Calvin Ridley? Do they draft a receiver in the first round? How does that affect Tyreek Hill? Does it make him this uber-efficient, high-touchdown, low-reception, high-yardage guy again? Maybe. Like, I, I just don't know because I we've seen that before, but we didn't see that with how he how the Chiefs were defended last year, and I don't know how another receiver changes that. I just have a, I'm confused in a lot of different ways with what to do with Tyreek Hill right now. Well, in my opinion, the outcome is positive either way. First, they bring in another guy and he it's stops possible. getting he stops getting bracket coverage on every play and he can really run. That's probably him. never going to stop, to be honest. That, well, even then, he, he's going to get better coverages and better looks if we bring in a guy who can do anything under the middle, which is infinitely going to help his fantasy production because he didn't get I think he had like four or five deep ball touchdowns. This series, it, well, also if Tyreek Hill could low. catch the ball this last year, he would have had uh, drops don't a, correlate a, year to year. Let's not do this too. right now. Let's really hope they don't because Tyreek Hill had maybe the worst hands in the NFL last uh, year. And uh, not going to predict this, but even if they bring in another guy, there's a high potential that 34 year old Travis Kelsey takes a step back finally. I'm pretty sure you're adding years to that 33 glorious I mean, man's life. <laughs> you keep going and. You're not Kelsey is take... 32. He'll be 33 mid-October. Okay. Um, Travis Scott came up when I Googled how old is Travis Kelsey, by the way. <laughs> um, but you're not going to rank a Chief in the top 12 as a Chief fan? I mean, this <laughs> – I'm not doing this as a Chiefs fan. Also, just... there's been there's been other years where I'm I've been higher on, on, on Hill um, than you. First CEH, now this. 
It's yeah, yeah. Who who, who was right about that one? Uh, it's not over. <laughs> Did you see the tier list where he was listed in the replacement level running back group today? Going around, not on yet, Twitter? but that seems fitting. J.K. Uh, Dobbins was in that group too, which kind of triggered me. Wow. Who who did the tier list name? I don't know. It was a uh, random guy that I just it was like Twitter has shown me a lot more suggested dynasty tweets now, and I can't quite figure out why, but I'm getting a lot of weird content and in, in that like suggested tweets filter that they're they're giving me. The last thing I'll say on this is anytime I can get the number one pass catching option in what could potentially be the best offense every year, I just want it. Mm-hmm. And th- there's such I mean, out of every wide receiver. He probably has the highest upside play. Like if Mahomes goes 2019 or 2018 again. Probably, although when Cooper Cup has an argument for highest upside after what he just did. Well, he's the one guy that was so difficult for me to put in the top 12. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, despite what he did. Okay, but, so tire, tire Kill, you've got Tire Kill 6. We probably, let, let's let's say about 10 more minutes. I know Johnny's got some cornhole to go play tonight here. My number five is Cooper Cup, who you just said was so difficult for you to rank. Where do you have Cup? Or do you, if you don't have Cup on this list, you're invalid. He's number five. Okay, good. Yeah. So Cup is number five. He's my wide receiver one. I really, I really thought hard about Justin Jefferson, as I'm sure you can um, figure based on me talking a minute ago. But this just feels like about the right spot to zag away from running back uh, for me. You have, you, I think you have Adams at four. I have Cup yeah. at five. So we're about the same. You have Cook lower, and that's our difference there. I mentioned it. He just put up statistically, like raw statistics, the most impressive receiver season ever. 2,400 yards. He was literally an automatic 115 yards and one touchdown every game. That's just insane. Just insane production. Like, I know he even got the extra game, but, like, I'm just talking about, like, raw production. That That's what he had. No one has ever done what, what he did. First triple here's, crown since Jerry Rice. Here's, here's a little trivia question for you. Can you guess the four players since 2010 who rank higher in yards per game receiving? And Cooper Cup was at 114.5 yards per game. Four guys, I'll, get, I'll, I'll even lower it, since 2012. Four guys since 2012 have had well, a that's higher. That's not fair. I'm pretty sure that took out Megatron. <laughs> no, it didn't. Megatron's oh. 2012. So okay, Megatron. One. He's number uh, one at 122.8 yards per game. Can I get teams? I want to say Steve Smith almost, but I'm not, I'm not going, going to give to. you teams because that would make it very easy. Okay, definitely Megatron. Yes, I can give you years. It's only okay. two other years. For years, guys. years is helpful. 2013 and 2015. That is not helpful. Brandon Marshall. Okay, 2013 should be a little bit obvious. Think about what happened in 2013 that people are like literally still chasing. Oh, Demarius Thomas. Uh, no. It's not Peyton Manning and his team. No. I'm 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 at loss. What is this? The, the 2013 Josh Gordon still chasing Josh. Oh Josh Gordon. my God! He actually had day. more yards. I didn't think more that was more more yards per game. This is yards per game. 117.6 yards per game. Now you've got two more, both from the same season, both from 2015. Remember 2015, and then the next year we had a receiver go number one overall, and then another one go like top five. After this, after these seasons by these guys, I'm blanking. Johnny, any guesses? Is this the Brandon Marshall year? They both played in the NFL last year. Did they play well? (laughs) Um, one guy, yes, and one guy, 
hard to say because he didn't play too many games. What year? 2015? 2015. Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown. That's one. 114.6. Wait. And is another guy that saved the year? No, Allen Robinson? No. (laughs) Okay. This is the last 10. Think about who has been the best yardage receiver of the last, basically since he came into the NFL, last eight, nine years. Juju. Julio Jones, 116.9. Oh you should have said he doesn't score touchdowns. That would have given it to me. I mean, I kind of hinted at that by saying he's the best yardage receiver of the last eight or nine years. True. All right. So those four guys are the only guys that have had better yards per game. So, like, even if you take away the extra game, like, Cup was still historic in, in yards per game. This Do we season. think he's more talented than any of those guys? No, but, like, and, and that's where it's tough. But, like, he was just so good. Like, he – the counting stats, 145 receptions, 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdowns. I can't. I can't go lower than five. I just can't. And I, I know disagree. it's tough because he he was like a fourth-round guy before that. But, you know, maybe Jared Goff was just really holding him back and that playbook back that much. I, I really hope so. I did write in this, they're losing Whitworth. Offensive line probably takes a step back, and we know Stafford plays worse with a worse offensive line. His EPA is basically in line with Jared Goff. Do with that what you will. Um, And OBJ and Robert Woods will both be active together all season, which we didn't really see. I feel like those have to be at least in your consideration when you draft him, which is why I have him too. Yeah, but have either of them spent more than 200 hours with Matthew Stafford? Well, if I was a receiver on that team, even Skronerick or whatever his name is, <laughs> I would be going to Bible study and getting breakfast at Diddy's with Matt Stafford every game. So maybe the team learned a thing there. I think if I were the worst, the worst white receiver on that team, I would be working on my hands this offseason. Early almost cost them a Super Bowl the first chance he got in that game. Okay. So Cup is he's your five, right? So you yep. have both of our fives. You had Adams at four. I had mm-hmm. Cook at three. So we both have four guys left total. Let's try and no, zip I have three left. Adam's okay. four. I have three, okay. two, one. So let's try and zip through a, a couple of these. And I've got I, – I guess I have four, two, one. So we both have three. I have Joe, really, Joe Mixon at four. I have been three. I yeah. really thought I was going to, like, out-mixing you here, and I didn't. It's about the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had Cook at three, and it's a toss-up between those two. I, I'm still, like, a little bit scared to put Mixon too high, even though four is very high. Three just feels like even scarier. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I <laughs> even though he definitely like he he earned it last year with how how good he was and like I saw someone make this joke on Twitter, which applies to a guy we're going to talk about in a minute. Like, remember when Joe Mixon was injury prone? The dude just played twenty games this year. Like, uh, yeah, turns out like the little nicks and bruises are always like uh, a predictive thing every season. Well, and the one thing that stood out for me in doing my research. Uh, was he was the number one running back with over 100 carries to be touched behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> yeah, so it's not like he was like the 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 defenders in the box and just the offense. Like both of those were improvements from the last couple of years. But the offensive line really was not. not. 
And I think everybody expects them to make at least some manageable improvement here. And that would be huge for him. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of talk about him not being a receiving bat, whatever. He had five receptions in the Super Bowl alone. Granted, yeah. it was, was for one yard. I was going to say, five receptions for five one yard is a, is a very funny PPR stat line. PPR or half PPR, it's still points. That's I, points. I actually I, – I had this nugget. He had 42 receptions in the regular season, but worth noting – 18 receptions on 21 targets in four playoff games. So I definitely leaned on him more in the passing game. And it's clearly like a, we're managing our guy, which is totally fine. Like I, I'm totally fine with them managing Mixon a little bit throughout the season for sure. If you just take the playoffs, like his 17 game pace for receptions would have been like 77. So he's not going to do that, but there is more upside than 42 receptions on any given year, just based on the usage. Cause like the skill is there. Like yeah. uh, I, I'm never, I'm never gonna quit joking about Adam Levitan saying that Mixon they have lost the pass catching role. It's like, well, like I, I, I don't think, I don't think that's true because I think he's still the best pass catcher in that backfield. But it's just they're trying to manage him throughout the season, and he was, I'm trying to remember, I guess he got hurt in that game where that happened, and then he didn't catch many passes when he came back, and that's when the tweet happened. Yeah. So I guess the big question is between JT and CMC, who's one and two for you? I mean, I, I've got Christian McCaffrey at two. I've got I've got Jonathan Taylor one, and I I'm pretty sure you have it flipped. It's pretty. I think we can both agree that the McCaffrey. I don't even call it hate, but just like the McCaffrey rank is still like I know it's scary to rank him so high after what he's done the last two years to to you personally if you've ranked him high and your teams if you've drafted him. Like but have. yeah, like I have, but both these years. Like the guys, like the RB eight or nine on Fantasy Pros ECR right now. Like I just think that's insane. I will say on Underdog, he's still the RB two, so he's still getting love when money's on the line. Yeah, like I think if anyone's ranking him in the top five, I still disagree with that. But like that's at least fine. But if you're like barely ranking him inside the top twelve, like I, I, I just don't know. He basically he played six games last year, but if you actually like really look at it, he played four complete games last year he got hurt in the beginning of the second quarter in one and then before halftime in the other so in four complete games he was above 20 points three times his one bad game quote unquote was 12.6 points so he's a locked and loaded like top three to five running back almost every single week and again like the Joe Mixon injury prone thing like we could very easily be saying after this year remember when Christian McCaffrey was injury prone because he had a had a thigh injury. He rolled his ankle. He, you know, he had a hamstring injury. Like it's not, it's not like the dudes had like catastrophic injuries. Like even like guys that have had catastrophic injury, like Keen Allen got the injury prone label when he blew out his knee and then had like the ruptured spleen. And then he has barely missed the game since yeah. then. Like I was a guy who was concerned with McCaffrey's workload coming into last season. And this is not me like taking a victory lap based on that because like I don't think these injuries are real like the hamstring is the only one where maybe you could say well maybe but it was like week four week five I don't think he was like wearing down then the hamstring just gave like the hamstring just gave it just it happens I know he's burned you but if you look at his three years at Stanford and his first three NFL seasons he missed one total game that's not sustainable but this fluky stretch of injuries is also not sustainable well and here's really he is the ultimate fantasy cheat code. I mean, even in super flex leagues, when he was at his prime, he was going one overall. I mean, the guy is absolutely He's giving you a quarter quarterback production that running yeah. back every week. And here's what I mean by this. If Jonathan Taylor did not score a touchdown, which he did almost every game last year. Okay. 
Yeah, four touchdown not, game too. Yes, he did not clear 20 points any game he didn't score a touchdown. In five games last year, Christian McCaffrey didn't score a touchdown in two of them and scored 21 and 24 points. Mm-hmm. And this is it, – it's not a ding on Jonathan Taylor, but Christian McCaffrey doesn't need the end zone to score you 20 points. If no, and you know the reason why – you know, you know the 50 points. And you know the reason why he wasn't scoring? Well, John Taylor did have a 50-point game with his four-touchdown game too. Yes. But yes. but you know you know what was a big reason for him not scoring touchdowns in the limited games he played? Because two of those games were Cam Newton stealing the touchdowns from him at, at the goal line, which, trust me, as someone who had Christian McCaffrey and he was like healthy for a very short amount of time, it's like pulling my hair out. Like, you got to be kidding me with, with, with this Cam Newton crap on the one or two-yard line, McCaffrey being used as the decoy to pull the whole defense while Cam Newton walks in the end zone. So yeah. it was frustrating, not sustainable. If you look at inside the five carries, not last year, obviously, but his last healthy year, he was like second in the league. And like, you could make the argument that maybe he shouldn't be, but he's going to get a lot of carries in, in the money zone. He's going to get passing it. He's just going to get all the work he want. And he's one of the best players in the NFL. Like, I, I think, I think you've got to be pretty, Pretty hung up on pretty minor in the grand scheme of NFL injuries, injuries to rank him much lower than two or three. And I yeah. think it's a it's a coin flip between he and Taylor. I could go either way, but I've got Taylor one. Yeah, I mean he has 10 less targets than Taylor did in 10 less games. And like you said, he didn't even finish the games. And we know like catching the football is just a cheat code in fantasy football. It gets you more points in half point PPR or full PPR. The, the the very last thing I'll say about this, I've seen like Cam Akers slipping into people's top 12 and then like CMC falling to five. Let me tell you like a, a subfluctuated shoulder and a hamstring injury are not the same as tearing your Achilles, which has yes. been like a death sentence for running backs. Uh, these aren't injuries that you can't recover from. Christian McCaffrey had 50 pound weights at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> I, I was mean, wondering if we could get through this. Segment without <laughs> Christian McCaffrey I mean, underwater come workout. on guys. He's, he's clearly, He's my number one. He'll be my number one all offseason. Out of everything in these rankings, I will I will not change that. You cannot make me change that unless he gets hurt or assaults someone outside of an elevator in Las Vegas. Those are the two options. Uh, so I've got Jonathan Taylor at one. I know la- he was the RB1 last year, but I know it wasn't like a banner RB1 season. If you're just looking at recent history, I think it was the fewest points for an RB1 overall since Devontae Freeman in 2015. But if you look at it a little deeper, he was basically getting 50% of the snaps for like the first five weeks of the season. And I remember how frustrated we all were with number one, his usage or lack thereof. And number two, his touchdowns. He actually didn't have touchdowns earlier in the season. He way overcorrected later in the season. So his touchdown total was still really awesome. But like, there was definitely room for improvement earlier in the season when Frank Reich was Frank Reiching us um, right in the balls early, early in the season with how he was using Jonathan Taylor. He was in double digits every time he got at least 60% of the snaps, 40 receptions last year after 36 year before. Like, I think he's got room to grow there. Cause remember when he was coming out of college, the thing was like, well, this guy doesn't catch any passes. He's not going to catch passes. Well, it's like, well, he actually can. He just, wasn't thrown to at Wisconsin. Like the to guy, be fair, like, he has had two quarterbacks who are very prone to throw. Oh, I know. To oh, I know. But like, I, like, I'm not saying he's gonna have like 60 receptions, but like he could have 45, 50 receptions. Yeah, and it, pretty easily, I think he's got that kind of that kind of talent as a pass catcher. And he's obviously very young, still in ascending talent. We don't exactly know that situation, but that doesn't scare me. Like the situation was not good for large chunks of of last season. 
I got a little bit scared off of Taylor in the preseason because I was concerned with the Carson Wentz injury. I regret lowering him in the ranks, and I, I've got him at one just because I feel a little bit safer than Any with McCaffrey. If, so the, it sounds like Wentz is gone from Indianapolis. Yeah. Any quarterback scare you off of him? No. Sam Darnold? No. I mean, we were Cam, already Christian McCaffrey won, rightfully so, with both those guys as his quarterback. Cam Newton? Ah, that's just uh, not going to happen. Here's one. Baker Mayfield. I want to drop him. Anything to add on Taylor before before we get before I guess okay we should talk we should at least mention a couple guys that that we left off but anything on Taylor first before we get to that and then get out of here no supreme talent should be second drafted overall I agree with everything you said offensive line returns in full they have starting left tackle Eric Fisher all season next year and they should have Quentin Nelson all season Mm -hmm. one of the best lines they'll be fine Frank Gregg's a great coach. So outside of Tyree Kill and Najee Harris, we've already touched on both of those. I think some key uh, missions uh, on my list that people would probably raise their eyebrows at. Austin Eckler would be the first one. He's like a top five running back in a lot of places you look. He had 25 attempts inside the 10-yard line rushing last year and 10 touchdowns. That's on par basically, like almost exactly, with James Conner, who we all agree is falling back down the earth. Now, it's not like like – Eckler's not going to fall back down the earth like James Conner probably will this year. But the overall point is, like, there's just no shot Eckler is doing what he did touchdown-wise last season. He had eight rushing touchdowns in his entire career before last year, and he had 12 last season. In 2019, that was his big breakout year, but that was largely because he had 900 receiving yards and a lot of touchdowns there. He had 17 carries inside the 10, and three of those were touchdowns. So three out of 17 touchdowns compared to 10 out of 25. Like, I just think there's going to be another guy there who's more of a factor. They never found that guy this last season. And then Antonio Gibson is another guy that I think you can make an argument for inside the top 12. I just don't – I just can't quite get there with him. I, he's a very, very good player, but a lot of unknown with the Washington football team at the moment too. Or the Commanders. The Commanders. We have a name Commanders. Now. The Commanders. That's wild. Um, underdog has him as the 34, 34th player off the board. I think uh, that's crazy. Um Maybe. Um, I will say the only guy that I would say is He's RB12 on Fantasy Pros. That's a huge difference. He's RB13 on Underdog. He's just – I think Underdog leans a little more heavily on wide receiver probably. heavy builds, uh, which probably changes that. But Eckler – okay, so anybody who listened to the podcast last year, I hammered the Eckler train, mm-hmm. and I think I said he was like a top eight running back. I did not there, – there was not a top – two running back outcome that I predicted. And if you're doing like a bell curve, this is like, we're way over here on the bell curve. If this is the curve, he's all the way over here and you're drafting a player that's playing like at maximum efficiency. Not like you're listening on the podcast. Dalton just kind of moved his hands around. I drew a bell curve. That's really all he did. Um, Yeah. Unlike players like Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor and Dalvin cook. This is like him playing out of his mind and otherworldly in an offense that could not find anybody to play behind him despite Mm -hmm. their best efforts. And it's an offense that had a really, really high red zone conversion rate that doesn't seem sustainable. Even with the loss of Mike Williams and Jared Cook, I just don't see a world where Eckler repeats the touchdown upside. And it was very clear that they wanted one of these running backs behind Eckler to do something Mm -hmm. all season because they didn't want him getting injured because he's the smallest starting running back in the NFL at 199 pounds. 
and you're just drafting. This is the one player that I see going really high right now that I'm absolutely against because you're drafting him at like his very highest ceiling and there's no come down from it. Like it's, you kind, draft- it, 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 it's kind of like the, a couple, I, I think before our, our first season of the pod, I didn't like Chris Goblin at wide receiver, like six or five mm-hmm. and on rankings, not because I didn't think Goblin would be like a top 10 receiver, but because you were drafting him at literally his absolute peak. The yeah. best you could hope for was was to break even, which, to be fair, if you're drafting someone at three, that's almost the best you could hope for anyway. But, like, I think it's like a – for other guys you draft that high, you want it to be like a – Once 20%, in a lifetime like, season. Like, like a 20% shot. Like, as long as they don't get hurt and have a good year, they're probably going to be up here. With Eckler, it's like he's never been up there before in five years. He was there in his fifth year. I just don't I, – I think it's a pretty, pretty, pretty low chance that you see that again this year. Well, and do not take this as a one-to-one comparison because Eckler is a better football player, but there was a year where Doug Martin was going fifth overall, and Doug Martin the prior season had absolutely hammered his, like, highest center of outcomes, and then he fell. He completely – the floor fell out from him. And mm-hmm. that is not completely without Austin Eckler's, like, realm of outcomes. First of all, because he's so small, and second of all – because the Chargers could just get a bigger back and put him in the goal line, and then you lose. I think it was twenty touchdowns or something like that. You know who the Chargers happened. could bring in? Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. hundred <laughs> percent could. It would make a lot of sense too. And I don't think he'd be that expensive. Yeah, if if Eckler was still going in the like fourteenth or fifteenth pick, I think that's about value for mm-hmm. him. I do not think this is valuable because out of everybody in the first round. He's the one player who can't have like a generation defining season, in my opinion. Almost everybody else can. Derrick Henry almost did. Cooper Cup did. CMC has. Taylor can. Jefferson can. Chase can. Kamara can. I mean, it's just not in Eckler's skill set. No yeah, offense to him. I agree. And I just want to mention Swift again before we get out of here. And we get in trouble uh, over or over analyzing situations sometimes, like, you know, with the Rams and Todd Gurley before he busted out. And there's uh, there's other examples, obviously. Where, like the biggest one is Keen Allen with with Herbert when before Herbert had played a game when Keen Allen was like a fourth round pick and he should have been a second round pick. Well, that was Tyrod um, first. If we're just being yeah, but before I said before Herbert had played <laughs> oh, a game yeah. and we we were scared of Tyrod and then Herbert like people were not high on Herbert as a prospect. Like he went high in the draft, but people did not like him that much as a quarterback prospect. So, like, I'm not saying that Swift is going to have that happen. Like, but if the situation did turn good or like, okay, that dude's a top 12 player, um, in yeah. my opinion. But I just don't, I can't get there. And these we'll rankings, with Gibson, to be fair. Yeah, I think, I think Swift is better than Gibson, too. Me, though. too. All right. And anything the, else before we get out of here, Dalton? Last thoughts? I just want to say wide back Debo Samuel got, I saw him a few times at like the yep. 12 turn. Uh, Respect the player. No idea what's going on in San Francisco. Agreed. Uh, quarterback wise, do not want to touch that with five foot pole. So he. Just I would not... take him like an early second, but it's just it was a little yeah. rich. Um, he he could be a potential riser depending on what happens with some others that I talked yeah. about in this top twelve. But I think that is going to do it for us for that episode sixty five of the Half Point for Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Half Point for Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube. The link to all of that will be in the show notes as well. The list of players that we talked about today. And I know for a fact we will not have a podcast next week. Um, possibly two weeks from now we'll be back 
We'll see. We'll let you guys know a little bit more on the schedule. But we will talk to you sometime in the near future.